suddenly when I was in London was interested in identity, my identity and my background, you know, having these two ideologies with me, like this Soviet past and then suddenly this society in transition and this capitalist, neoliberalist ideology becoming more and more, taking over. Two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Thanks for tuning in to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. Today, we're in Tallinn, Estonia, talking with photography and film-based artist Lena Sieb. We're sitting in a cafe in Freedom Square, complete with church bells, birds, and a bustling tourist throng. I love it. Lena will walk us through the realities of being an artist here in Tallinn, the impact of the Iron Curtain and its fall specifically on the Estonian arts community, and how that impacted her own art practice. You'll find full show notes and links on our website, twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you enjoy this episode, you can share it directly from your podcast app or the webpage with others who might enjoy it. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, leave us a rating and a review. And if you love the show, head to the website where you can click on the martini glass icon and buy us our next round. These rounds help keep us ad-free, and sometimes they're just drinks. Now come with me to Talon's Freedom Square and listen in as Lena talks about what it was like to graduate from art school the very moment national independence was being restored to Estonia, the role of artists to observe shifting culture, and the issues she's zeroing in on with her current, very thought-provoking video works. You'll be inspired, like I was, to head to her website and see her fascinating work yourself. Cheers. So here we are in Estonia, in Tallinn, which is unbelievably beautiful. There are church spires everywhere. We're in a beautiful plaza, and I am sitting with Lina Sieb, who is an artist here in Tallinn, and I am so excited to sit and talk with you because I'm really curious what life is like as an artist here in Tallinn. So thanks for meeting me. Thank you very much uh, for uh, finding me out. (laughs) (laughs) The magic of the internet. (laughs) So you mentioned your studio is right above us here. Yeah, it's on the fifth floor in this building and uh, this is like a historical building. It Mm -hmm. was uh, built in 1934 uh, by the Cultural Endowment for Artists. And Tallinn Art Hall locates here, and the uh, artist studios, and it's still like this. Ah, yeah. so lots of artist studios here. Yes, yeah. yeah. And is the culture very supportive for artists here? Is it typical to have a studio, and are people supported as workers in the arts here? Well, you always could uh, wish more, of yes. course. <laughs> and, uh, Uh, Let's say, I don't know how it was before the Second World War, but as much as I know, the the artists were already united into, um, uh, how do you call it, like artist association, Estonian artist association, Mm -hmm. and there were, I think, even couple, and, uh, you know, between uh, among artists, you always have these struggles and things that uh, Mm -hmm. one group cannot... uh, get along with another and so they have their own society and things like this yeah so there was this kind of normal art life before the second world war yeah uh, while they built this uh, Tallinn art hall Mm -hmm. and uh, of course in the soviet time uh, it was all taken over and the society was uh, like the artist association was uh, uh, re-established it was suddenly it was a tool for ideology for soviet ideology 
And these artists who had a right CV or had more like leftist minded or or didn't say really their opinions, they they were better off than these people who were against the system, Soviet system. And actually, these people were basically eliminated at the, at the very end, like literally eliminated. Literally elim- yeah, yeah, during Stalinist repressions and uh, yeah, of course. But uh, then, of course, the Soviet system was. Uh, supportive to the people who supported the system mm-hmm. and therefore perhaps uh, the art life was kind of uh, what to say very much like incu- in incubator or incubated mm-hmm. somehow they were having shows and uh, always the works were bought to the collections national collections and uh, somehow when they were loyal people they were provided with studios and uh, art materials and supplies and things like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I managed to start my artistic life uh, when uh, this Soviet system fortunately coll- collapsed in 1991. Mm-hmm. And uh, was just a time when I f- graduated from the art academy. And uh, of course, then every everyone needed really to kind of reframe or re-identify or think about what what was life and what uh, one wanted to be as an artist and so on. Right. But they established uh, in Estonia uh, Open Society uh, Foundation and uh, this had also the Center for Contemporary Arts and it was done by the philanthropist uh, finance person George Soros, mm-hmm. if you ever heard of him. But he did it in uh, all former Eastern European countries. Ah. Yeah, and... Uh, and of course, the idea was to to create this kind of uh, new things coming in, having information what is happening in the world. Because in let's say in Soviet time, most people, most artists know the art uh, just through the magazines, the Western magazines or other Eastern European countries art magazines. You didn't have so immediate access right. what was happening yeah. elsewhere. Of course, people knew, but it was through reproductions mostly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like. Uh, from from an artwork to an artist or it wasn't like a normal thing that artists would go every second year to see the Venice Biennial right or something like this so it was more because of an isolated this, art yeah, community because there was this uh, iron curtain mm-hmm. but of course within the Soviet Union people could go like Estonian artists could go to Moscow meet a Moscow artist mm-hmm. or meet a Leningrad artist and so on so it was the other way yeah this connection but yeah so in 1990s, this uh, Center for Contemporary Arts were established and suddenly there was this issue, contemporary art, that uh, no one had uh, heard before, what was this thing. Right. And uh, of course, uh, nowadays, this is, uh, this is like everyone knows and this is what we teach our students and this is what they become, contemporary artists, or they do contemporary art. Right, but and in 91 uh, it would be a completely different... Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, and... Uh, and of course, the younger generation maybe was more eager to catch all these um, uh, um, uh, new technologies and uh, new tools and uh, new ideas. Of course, it was more traumatic to the older generation, yeah. uh, who were already very well, well established. Right. So there you were fresh out of art school. Yes. And, and, yeah. and for me also, it was like uh, I had perhaps uh, good manual skills as a graphic artist, but then... Uh, I was very much interested in photography and I took it up and I had my own studio which was not provided by the state or someone else mm-hmm. but uh, then uh, suddenly late 1990s all the rent prices and things started to uh, raise and uh, so I lose my studio because 
I couldn't pay the rent because suddenly it became very high. And then I applied for the artist association to get a studio in this building mm-hmm. and I got it fortunately. Yeah. At first it was a very small kitchen space mm-hmm. but now it's a bigger one. And uh, let's say I think the artist association now which has like 1000 members they really try to support and they have uh, different houses which are meant for the studios. But uh-huh. of course there is a queue still and uh, and the grants are provided by the cultural endowment mm-hmm. and of course the grants for the fine art is never it's not the amount that uh, maybe the actors or musicians could get mm-hmm. but of course there is there is the help and i think this this cultural endowment help is really a very very important thing yeah the system of art market is really it's not so significant yeah and is there a big art community here are there a lot of working artists who are thriving maybe just living from your art mm-hmm. this is not so big this yeah. is only few artists can really have it here because since i said this mm-hmm. art market system mm-hmm. is not that uh, strong and uh, doesn't offer for many people this living from just from doing art right but last few years there is this system that i think three to five artists can get the artist, they call it artist salary, mm-hmm. which means during three years they can do their art, dedicate to their art and get some stipend, mm-hmm. which covers the basic rent and basic needs for a month. So it's, I think it's very nice thing yeah. to have. And have you experienced that? No, because I'm all the time working yeah. uh, and somehow uh, I haven't uh, applied yeah. yet, and I are would y- say. Are you working on something other than your art as well? Do you have an outside yes. career? Yeah. 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 Uh, what is it I, you do? I, I don't know if this is a career. I think this is a necessity. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been maybe half of the, half of the time... Uh, I have worked as a freelance artist and then I have always done uh, graphic design jobs and mm-hmm. uh, exhibition design jobs yeah. to support myself. And a couple of two periods I've been working in the art academy mm-hmm. and I've been there also as visiting lecturer, but this is really like a small things. But now I'm, since 2015, I am a professor in the fine art, faculty of fine art in response of graphic art. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So this is a nice place to work, really. Mm -hmm. I like it very much. But, uh, of course, when you really want to do something there, it's very difficult then to do your own art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, I don't know how to manage with the time. Yeah, keeping that balance. It's the same every uh, every artist I talk to. It's finding that balance between earning and creating. This is very much the thing, and uh, I don't think that uh, I I have been good with it. But you've been creating some very interesting work, so I would love to hear about your video pieces. The video came uh, to my life in early 2000s, and uh, I always, uh, I think I'm like a cinephile. I could call myself, I like films. Yeah. I always go to cinema if possible. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm free. Then uh, I uh, I first created a set of movie posters when I hadn't done any films yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, these movie posters were like with fictional characters and fictional directors. And I just put together the images from my photogra- photography, mm-hmm. just as collage kind of uh, photo montage type of work. Yeah. And then uh, one series of my work were bought 
uh, to Germany uh, in, I don't know, 2001 or 2002. Mm-hmm. And there was suddenly, there was money and I could buy my own video camera, ah. like a <laughs> TV cam. Yeah. And, oh, uh, and then I went to the exchange, as an exchange student to London, to Westminster University. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took my camera there and I started to film there mm-hmm. uh, as like, uh, how to say, like... Um, documentary street uh, scenery as uh, you know maybe the film by Giga Verto mm-hmm. a man with a movie camera mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I think I was like this uh, man or a woman with a, a flaneur with mm-hmm. a fu- m- movie camera and yeah. <laughs> I filmed as much as possible and I still actually it's now I don't know 15 16 years I still haven't edited all uh, like quite a lot of the material oh. that I filmed there and I'm all the time in my head this uh, feeling that I should uh, see what is there, uh, come back with yeah. it. Yeah, it'll be interesting after a period of time has gone by to see if how how it may look dated and yeah. if it looks dated and yeah, yeah. And the pieces that I saw on the internet on your website for yeah. for our listeners who may be near a, a computer, if they want to pull up your website, where do they go? Uh, they could go to uh, leenasip.com L-I-I-N-A-S-I-I-B dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is this section of video works and uh, most of the video works are there. Mm-hmm. Or some of the works are in on Vimeo as well. Mm-hmm. Vimeo.com uh, and also Linasip. And it's a free, everyone can watch them who, mm-hmm. who is interested in. Yeah, and they're very different from that kind of street energy that you were talking about in London. So describe one of your videos that's on your website for us. I think when I started, the first films were like the street films, Mm -hmm. but then uh, quite soon I started also to stage. Suddenly when I was in London, I was interested in identity, my identity and my background. You know, having these two ideologies with me, like this Soviet past, and then suddenly this society in transition and this capitalist, neoliberalist ideology becoming more and more, taking over these uh, old systems mm-hmm. and these things. And then, uh, and also this uh, history, 20th century history that happened in Estonia. So suddenly I started to kind of um, look back and uh, think about uh, what had happened and uh, how come and uh, how much ideology really matters in our life and uh, and how much choice do we have in our life mm-hmm. regarding all the circumstances and then i made a work called uh, compromise excluded and uh, this was like uh, maybe i did it in uh, 2003 was my ma major work and uh, and i made it as an ironical piece about estonia uh, like a traumatic uh, history during the Second World War and um, a little bit before and later. And uh, and I thought that everything was over with it. Mm-hmm. I, I made it like ironically. Mm-hmm. And I was quite sure that it will never happen. And uh, it was a little bit like a post-truth situation for me. I used, I have to say, I really violated all the historical truth. Mm-hmm. I made it as... Uh, it seemed, uh, I thought that it could be like as ironic as possible. Mm-hmm. But then now, 15 years later, it's all back again. Yeah. And it's so strange, like uh, in what world are we living with uh, yeah. right now? And uh, this really makes me wonder. But uh, after making this video, I went to Italy because I was very much interested in the neorealist film practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
so I watched as many neorealist films as, as possible and then I went to the film museums and tried to read books about it and uh, and maybe then I adopted this practice that I'm using uh, the people from around me mm-hmm. and mostly women and I film them and discuss different issues but I use this woman as they're playing their own life mm-hmm. so this is this was the next kind of big shift yeah what I was doing and when you talk about neorealist filmmaking from Italy, who would be an example that we... It was like uh, Roberto Rossellini oh, okay. or uh, yeah, Lucchino Visconti even in the beginning and then uh, uh, yeah, Vittoria De Sica. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So less fantastic than, say, Fellini or like more... Fellini as well, I think. Fellini, yeah. yeah. I think Italian filmmaking really general, has been yeah. Yeah, very much of influence uh, yeah. to my work. Yeah. And yeah. Is, is there a history of filmmaking here in Estonia? Is there much of a body of work or examples from history that you pull from? What's the filmmaking culture been like here? Yeah, there has been the culture before the Second World War. They did some of the films and also documentaries and uh, chronicles, newsreels. And then, uh, of course, after the Second World War, the Soviet Union uh, imported here that ideologically confirmed uh, filmmakers who should uh, teach how to make uh, Soviet films. Right. And so. then they started the studio, the local studio, which is called Tallinn Film. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think... In 1960s, they really made fantastic works, fantastic films, mm-hmm. quite, quite important until nowadays. And yeah. uh, it's, they, they are shown quite often on TV and uh, differ- on different occasions. But then, uh, of course, uh, I think Estonian people maybe always think that Estonian movies are slow and depressive and uh, has have this kind of certain, I don't know, even Fenno, Greek, mm-hmm. Kamos or this kind of thing or okay. very deep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, let's say maybe last five years, there is this kind of renaissance in the Estonian filmmaking. A lot of interesting stuff, quite, ma- quite al- many films regarding the size of the country and mm-hmm. population here has been made. And uh, it's, uh, I'm very glad that uh, people are making films here, really. Yeah. And it, it's important. And we, we also have a, a Black Nights Film Festival, which is a, a category film festival which happens every year in November, late November. Mm-hmm. And I think this also has uh, established this kind of cinema mm-hmm. c- scene or, yeah. Yeah, so there is a filmmaking. I wondered when we came into town, because we passed very shortly after heading into town, we passed a film set. Yeah. And then when we got up to the palace, there was somebody with a very, they looked like they might have been making a documentary or something. Mm. And I thought, wow, we've only been here for a few minutes and it is not a big country and it's not a very yeah. populated country. What is the what is the population here? It's uh, 1.3 million. 1.3, yeah. yeah. So it's not very big really. Yeah. But they do some collaborations together with uh, the closest neighbors with Bol- the other Baltic countries and Finland and Sweden and, uh, and maybe Czech Republic. Lately there was a film called Portugal. Maybe it's still on or the comrade uh, child uh-huh. which is uh, I have to say es- Estonia this year Estonian Republic this year became uh, 100 years old mm-hmm. and therefore of course there have been more money for the arts right and yeah. they have also supported the films that somehow depict uh, Estonian history and uh, and uh, yeah discuss the different matters yeah 
And as an artist based in Estonia, are you very often taking your work beyond your borders? Where are you typically showing and what kind of response do you get as an Estonian artist? Yeah, I think I've been everywhere in Europe and uh, sometimes in, in the United States, but it's a long time ago. <coughs> what, did you do <laughs> what did you do in the States? Uh, in the States, uh, I got two grants. Uh, one grant was uh, in uh, 1995 to New York to work in the Lower East Side print shop. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the time when I was there to make graphic art. Mm -hmm. And I think this was the breaking point. Mm -hmm. uh, in New York, I realized that I want to deal with, I want to make, I want to work with photography. Uh, yeah. I just took up photography as my main medium or camera based mm -hmm. arts. And then three years later, I got another grant to San Francisco, and uh, this was very much dedicated to mm. work with photography. Right. And from there, yeah, from there on, I've been more, I'm like a camera person. Yeah. And uh, but in Europe, I think my works have been mostly shown in the in Germany, and I used to have galleries in Berlin, but she closed down the gallery because big competition and uh, yeah. recession in between and so it was yeah yeah and what is gallery life like here in Tallinn we have a couple of galleries but uh, most of them are like non-profit mm -hmm. there are some profit galleries and one which is the most famous Temnikova and Kasela gallery they really go uh, like on co international art fairs and uh, they mm -hmm. promote their artists and uh, I think they are successful. Yeah. And there are some others coming, emerging. I'm super curious what is really happening here art-wise, uh, whether there's still a stronghold of traditional art or how avant-garde the art scene is. What kind of works are happening? I think you can find really both. Mm -hmm. You can find uh, everything here. Yeah. There is um, old type of working. There are, yeah, these people who are really very medium-based or they they have um, kept their medium mm -hmm. like when they started as making tripoints or when they started as making watercolors they still do it yeah but uh, then there are artists uh, whose every new work is more regarding how to say the content really mm -hmm. uh, says what is the form or what form the work takes and uh, mm -hmm. as of avant-garde I think I always wish there would be more you always want to have more, uh, to have more like radical right. uh, goods, very sharp pieces, yeah. and uh, and I, I personally am more interested in social, social kind of art or the art that really is not in its bubble but somehow really um, uh, sees more widely around or right. like discusses the things in the matters in society. Yeah. I'm not so much interested in the art that. Uh, really it's only about beautiful form right although yeah yeah I, I like of course when the form is nice yeah. and the content is nice what what else could you wish but yeah but when there is just only this form or you see that this is only playing with the form then uh, yeah yeah where's then the cultural content or yeah. the dialogue yeah. Yeah. yes yeah so you're teaching at the university here yeah and what what is the focus of the students at in uh, our department, I really try to set the focus that uh, 
they uh, get acquaint acquainted with um, classical techniques uh, in printmaking, uh, graphic art, mm -hmm. that they really know where we come from, right. but also that there is this new digital culture mm -hmm. and uh, that they really, uh, to say, like from one form, they create another form and then another, that you really are like in the process, that you're not getting, you're making something, but then you take it further, that you always go further, just one step further, two steps further, mm -hmm. that maybe if you write a haiku, then uh, you think how to um, print this haiku or how to design, how to get the form to the haiku, and then also to perform it, to present it. Right. Uh, even like this is how to say, this is like a small example. And I think it's very important to think about the context. What is the context the works are mm -hmm. coming up and also the communication. Yeah. So this, this is my little small yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> ideas about how to teach art. Yeah. I just started in over the last couple of years teaching at one of the universities in British Columbia. Yeah. And I, I teach printmaking, yeah. classic Exa relief yeah, printmaking. This is very yeah, very much uh, yeah, yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it just amazes me how excited the students get because they've grown up with an iPad in their hands yeah. and their design skills are amazing to me, mm. but they haven't played with, with hands-on materials like that and they get so excited and it's beautiful to see what they do. And it is still such an important part of our development, it's nice to see that it's it's still happening everywhere. Yeah. And the, I think there is this big interest towards crafts, art and crafts. Mm -hmm. And you see how much, maybe this is this hipster culture or whatever, yeah. but you see how people make these uh, uh, bears and all everything. They want to do something with their hands. Yeah. When I went to uh, work there in the academy as professor, I actually, I didn't know. Uh, I thought that no one was interested anymore with these cl classical techniques. Mm -hmm. I was ready that we finish with it, that we're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. And then everyone wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. young, young generation is interested in, of course. Yeah. I was very glad we started really to um, uh, find out uh, the better ways in the workshop and how, how we could mm -hmm. work. I think too, it is a, it's a skill builder and there's always that dance between technique and concept and yeah. I think going through all of those different traditional learnings mm -hmm. really builds your technique so you can take your concept. And I think in printmaking really or graphic arts uh, it's very much you need to know how to translate from one medium into another or you need to think uh, when you have like this sketch you want to take further in technique you need to reverse it or mirror it mm -hmm. and then you need to work on the blade and you, you need so much of imagination yeah. that when you take this step where what is the next step and somehow uh, it's such a nice kind of uh, journey yeah between uh, different plates and papers and materials and it's so you have so many possibilities mm -hmm. but you need really to find out what really suits the best and I think it's yeah kind of experimenting experimenting mm -hmm. but still also mediating which yeah. is interesting this is so beautiful sitting here just for our listeners we are in the middle of this big plaza tell tell us about where we are and and, and the church bells we hear well this church bell is a little bit nuisance because uh, it's every 30 minutes <laughs> and it's out of tune and i have to listen <laughs> it in my studio oh right you're right above us here <laughs> so it's <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe rather, not quite as charming for I'd you rather, as it is for me. <laughs> I'd rather have the, these pills uh, not so uh, imposing, but uh, mm -hmm. anyway, we are in the Vabadose, Väljak, mm -hmm. and Vabadose means uh, freedom, freedom square, mm -hmm. and uh, this square is really very nice, and uh, it's uh, last few years it has been like only for the, like a public place for pedestrians, mm -hmm. we don't have cars here. But it used to be like a parking place. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's it, it's beautiful here. It's a very it's a very tourism friendly city. Yeah. yeah. You think so? Uh, for us, we've we've had a great time touring the old uh, the upper village and, yeah. and the village down below here, and mm. yeah, it's gorgeous. Are you inundated with tourists all through the year here? Uh, I think February and March we have less tourists, but mostly it's all the time. Yeah. yeah. I think when you go to the town hall square or Raagoyaplatz, mm -hmm. then some sometimes it's difficult to pass mm -hmm. because there are so many people. Yeah. 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 Literally boatloads of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just right now there are these uh, cruise ships. Mm -hmm. They also give information on the media. They say that today we have 4,500 cruise right. tourists. Yeah, this is today, and in a city of a hundred and the actual the actual four hundred thousand. Yeah, actually so they used to show it on this big screen there. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that'll have an impact. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, this uh, you ask about the square, then all kind of things happening here, like the president is giving speeches, and uh, people gather, and they have concerts, and uh, international stars mm -hmm. like Sting. Mm -hmm. And Joe Cocker have had concerts yeah. here, and so this is different. Yeah. And then also the call it uh, running competitions or the big, yeah, like a marathon or yeah, a marathon yeah. things, and yeah. yeah, have the start and finish here as well. Yeah, well, we're yeah. Canadian, and I've noticed Nickelback signs all over oh. the street posts here. So yeah. you're getting some of our Canadian artists coming through shortly yeah. too. <laughs> and do you? ever think of leaving Estonia or is this exactly where you want to be, where you want to be creating? Maybe I was thinking most uh, leaving uh, in 19, early 1990s. Uh -huh. Then I really was thinking whether I should go or not. Uh -huh. But then uh, when Estonia regained its independence, then I thought, hmm, it's so interesting here. I yeah. don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. And as an artist commenting on culture, what more amazing time could you be in a place than when yeah. it's going through a huge... Yeah cultural transition like um, that and it has really it has had a big impact on my works but of course I've lived in uh, London when I was a student and uh, I've, yeah sometimes having longer residencies so I've been away but uh, it's always nice to come back here and the work that you're doing now is it what is it showing us oh that's a <laughs> big that's a broad question <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, indeed <laughs> Well, right now uh, I'm just finishing a big project or new commission to uh, Riga, first Riga Biennial. Mm -hmm. And uh, the title is Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More. And it's, um, wow. the title is from a book by Alexei Yurchak. Mm -hmm. He's a Soviet uh, scholar, but he lives in the United States for a long time and mm -hmm. a researcher there. And uh, so he discusses the last Soviet generation mm -hmm. and how the Soviet Union was... Uh, no one really thought that it will be over. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it was over. Right. So the book really discusses how uh, 
how uh, how this happened and uh, what was the mentality and how uh, what was the people's ideas and thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. But uh, my work is about memory, and quite often I work with memory or how do we um, remember things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have taken a project. Um, about the jazz festival mm-hmm. that happened in Tallinn in 1967. And uh, I think it was 14 on the row, the, the festivals. And then after that, uh, the festivals were banned and there wasn't any happening for next 20 years. Wow. So it was really like a big gap. But 1967, mm-hmm. it was international. They had um, performers from all over the Soviet Union and uh, also from Poland, Sweden and Finland, and Charles Lloyd Quartet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charles, I don't know how much do you know about jazz scene, but uh, Charles Lloyd and his quartet, they were really somehow, this was the, their year. And uh, they became also the, the artist of the year by Downbeat magazine. And, uh, and they played mostly like free jazz, and uh, it was very interesting. But um, Somehow they were invited by the organizers, but it wasn't through the Soviet uh, official channels. Mm-hmm. And uh, then these officials, I think someone was afraid and they didn't really dare to let them play. And there was this strange game between uh, not allowing them and finding different solutions, mm-hmm. but finally they played. Yeah. And instead of, I don't know, 30 minutes, they played one hour. Mm-hmm. And then later they made a record. Uh, Charles Lloyd in the Soviet Union yeah and um, so I'm discussing different uh, issues about this festival and also how it is remembered and uh, and visually because I'm interested in this camera based material archival material Uh how uh, what can we see on the pictures Uh Uh, what does it tell and how how yeah what can we see uh, to say uh, how can we take it further and and uh, I'm building a, a smaller scale of the stage that used to be there. It was very modernist. Somehow it was also the break to the modernist, uh, modernist um, ways. It, was, it wasn't anymore this, you know, looking back. But I think this festival really was to look, for, look to the future, mm-hmm. looking to the future. Yeah. And uh, so the different interesting aspects of things there. So I built this uh, scale and I made a 15 minutes film which is using archival footage and I also invited uh, two uh, uh, musicians who were part of this festival. They are older now, but they played. Oh, uh, wonderful. And so I have two like uh, smaller clips within this bigger film p- yeah. from them. And it's it has been really interesting process working with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you'll show in Riga? Yes. Yeah. And will that be accessible for people to view online as well or after the after I, the Biennale? I hope uh, at least my work I will put on to my website later yeah. Yeah. but then my other big project uh, which I started two years ago was is connected to the Estonian women who work as migrants in uh, Finland because um, how to say the salary in Finland is much more it, it's higher than in Estonia and uh, and since we are language-wise close to each other and also geographically very close to each other. So it's really accessible to go and work in Finland, Mm -hmm. earn more money and uh, still feel that you are not away from your country. Right. Yeah. And what kind of work were people going and doing? Very different. Some are entrepreneurs, some are in beauty, 
parlors working, some are cleaners. It's really different. And is the piece you're doing on that photo-based or film-based? Actually, it will be podcast. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when I heard that (laughs) you want to make uh, (laughs) the podcast uh, thing with me, then I thought, "Mm, wow, this is like a first step in my podcast work. There we go. There we go. But yeah, it's uh, because it, it is... It is discussing these transnational issues and uh, the work situation and things. So I thought that uh, it should be kind of radio type of thing. Yeah. That uh, something that uh, kind of commutes between two countries very easily. And I think sound mm-hmm. is this thing. So I thought that the podcast or Skype or something yeah. is really the nice medium yeah. to work with this topic. Yeah. And are the languages between Finland and Estonia that similar that you could produce a podcast that will play in both and people can understand it? Or No, I still need to have it in three languages, mm-hmm. Estonian, English and Finnish. Yeah. Yeah. But I also I like very much these uh, languages and translation from one language to another. Mm-hmm. And this really also tells quite a lot about the society as well. Somehow, I think the languages are a very strong uh, part to shape how we are yeah. and what we are. Yeah. One thing I see traveling through Europe is your ability with languages and what you speak really impacts what you can do, where you can go and what your opportunities are. And, mm. and so it would play a major role in, in a podcast like that that's focusing on where people are migrating and how they're how they're working and how it's affecting so yeah that'll be interesting yeah and i won't be able to understand it (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but that sounds like a great project so that's your next that's your next focus after this yeah Yeah, because i have uh, had uh, interviews with um, i think 15 or 18 yeah women and i'm still uh, doing some more and um it will be based on these interviews and uh, I will uh, kind of put them somehow together and uh, again this collage kind of that it will be more fictional mm-hmm. it won't be like directly this interview that happened right and then maybe there will be also visually there will be some um, images from Helsinki but uh, but filmed by Estonians not by how to say to see Helsinki through the views of Estonian woman right. through the eyes of an Estonian woman not Helsinki through a Finnish uh, like person would see it or yeah yeah well the work you're doing is so interesting your students must find you very inspiring it's uh, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do how much they know what I am doing <laughs> well the show is called two artists walk into a bar I don't. Uh, I don't know if you spontaneously have a punchline for me, or, or just a funny story from your art life that you'd like to share with us. One story that comes to my mind, uh, which is, yeah, maybe also describe the practice or the obstacles that uh, I am happen sometimes. Is uh, I made a work uh, called Unsocial Hours, and uh, it was a work about a woman who is selling pastries in a very narrow and cramped uh, space in the railway station. So it started with her. I had this woman, Lilia, and she was selling the pastries. And then I was I started to wonder where does she get her pastries? Mm-hmm. And uh, when she told me. Then I turned to this place and they said, no, 
we are not allowing you to film in our place. This is a new nice place. We don't want any artists and pe- people filming here. <laughs> we we want no publicity and we don't want people to know who or yes. where we are. <laughs> this is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Which is like yeah, I wasn't like a industrial uh, spy or something. <laughs> But anyway, I couldn't get there. Then I got to another place which was even much more interesting and uh, the sister of the owner of the place uh, was an artist so they were more open to this kind of art yeah. adventures yeah. and so I filmed there and then later I thought now I have uh, making of pastries selling of them and thought I need now eating of the pastries as well mm-hmm. because this is really what people grab during the lunchtime it's really like easy accessible mm-hmm. cheap uh, food yeah fast food maybe not so healthy yeah <laughs> let's say nowadays we take it differently of course the younger generation really maybe no 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 pastries but uh, and i i wanted to do it in lasname which is like a big um, dormitory area so people mostly yeah and in a shopping mall there and i invited different women who are working in the shopping mall just to ca- gather in a smaller cafeteria and just eat the pastries and i could i would film them yeah. and they t- they came yeah they had the pastries and then one woman came whom i didn't invite it and she w- she had uh, dark hair and she was like yeah very beautiful woman but uh, somehow the other woman uh, silenced mm-hmm. they didn't say anything and they started to leave uh-huh. and i thought what is going on now why why everyone is going away why they don't say anything and uh, and i think i started to talk to this um, dark hair woman and uh, she was very yeah i think suddenly i realized that she was a roma a roma woman so and which roma like a gypsy ah okay yeah well yeah let's say in estonian we say we still say sometimes mustlane which is gypsy yeah. but of course let's say she was a she's she was a roma uh-huh. roma woman yeah and uh, and the other woman really had an issue with her and they didn't want to be even together in the same space with her wow. which was so strange mm-hmm. and now i have uh, uh, two footages first uh, like later i all, um, when the roma woman left i invited them back and some of them never joined but some of them really kind of said okay let's make it again yeah but it was so strange i and never do you have footage of them all leaving yeah I but i didn't use the yeah I, i i didn't know really what to do with the the roma woman and i think that now maybe i could really restage it right not to use it as a documentary mm-hmm. but still really do something out of it yeah it's so strange yeah people are fast endlessly fascinating yeah uh, just observing them and yeah and for us you know in in our role as artists being able to just look and comment and mm. you know it's a it's an interesting role to to take on and i would think here with your changing society it, it must be all the more interesting so yeah yeah so right on good for you yeah. <laughs> yay well thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me i really appreciate it and you've given us a a really interesting look into the art world here mm, thank you very much cheers you've been listening to two artists walk into a bar i'm your host artist carol mcquade for full show notes and all the links head to two artists walk into a bar.com If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, 
head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers. <laughs>